We watch a movie, maybe read a book, or look at some kind of art. And we talk about it together and say lots of interesting things, and one of those things is our favorite parts. This is Favorite Parts with Allison and Trey. Hi, Trey. Hey, Allison. Welcome back to Favorite Parts. We're here with another episode to talk about the show with maybe the best intro song ever made, honestly, just such a banger, uh, a different world. Yeah. Hey, I can't wait. Tell us, tell us about a different world. Um, for people, I mean, if you have been living in rock, <laughs> under a rock, I mean, uh, for the last couple of decades, you maybe don't know about the show, different world was like a spinoff sitcom from the Cosby show. Uh, initially anchored by Denise Huxtable being the main character, but follows Denise and a crew of young Black college-going kids um, across, like, their most formative college years. Um, So it was a sitcom that ran largely in the 90s, uh, was a huge cultural splash for a lot of people, and Mm -hmm. I think over time kind of evolved into something more than just, like, a college-going story became, I feel like in a lot of ways, it ended up becoming like much more of a love story. Um, in yes, it did. Arc. Yeah. Willie yeah. and Dwayne. That's right. That's right. The best couple ever. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really yeah. think so? I mean, they're a very endearing couple, I think, because they start out. So I will say I did rewatch the entire first season. Yeah. Uh, and then like select episodes of later seasons. And in the first season, Dwayne's like obsessed with Denise and like, right. you know, has a huge crush on Denise and Whitley is just like this annoying person in the background. And it's just fun to kind of watch because even though they are quite different, they complement each other pretty well. And so their love story is very believable. But also incredibly dramatic, I will say. Like wildly dramatic. I feel yeah. Like, not, like handful of seasons are like cliffhangers are around. Like yes, they're really. Will they? Won't they? They just yeah. kiss. Um, yeah, them like meeting after a summer on the plane isn't one of the episodes starts, which I like. Yeah, I was like, I feel like I remember this one. Um, so yeah, their relationship ends up being the driving force, even though. So they became, so I did read a little bit about this and the show changes pretty intensely from the first season to the second season because Debbie Allen takes over who went to Howard, who's also Felicia Rashad's sister, which I did Mm -hmm. not know. Okay. They didn't know that. I didn't know that. Um, And makes it much more like reflective of her experience going to an HBCU rather than just like, I feel like in the first season, it's just like, a college where a lot of people happen to be black uh (laughs) and you know they do have the maggie character which one of our listeners asked about they ever address why maggie who's played by marissa tomei you know a white woman is attending this college and they never they never say anything about it it's just like yeah not addressed And I read that originally it was supposed to be a fish out of water comedy about a white person attending an HBCU. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was the original concept. Wow. (laughs) Which is, yeah, a very different show. Um, A different world, even. A different world. (laughs) 
and probably a worse show. I mean, because it would be centering this white person in a black world, which, you know, we get, it's enough, enough of that. <laughs> it's also so complicated too, because I mean, I remember years and years ago when it started making, when it started becoming national headlines, when a white student would be accepted into mm. HBC. I remember that happening, I think, at Morehouse, and I think it's happened okay. a few times at Howard and what kind of stir that caused. But then there's also like more fringed, weirder things like Rachel Dolezal and stuff. But well, it yeah. also just speaks to like the thing that I've read about in the past about Hollywood, Black, all Black Hollywood projects that there is both implicitly and explicitly like oftentimes a requirement for a white presence in all mm. of these shows like there's it's a common thing that i've read about in movies um and uh music videos at, at a certain period of time uh, it was a very common thing that uh executives would often make some type of editorial footnote or requirement that uh a white person would have to appear and in- oh interesting Mm-hmm. The token mm-hmm. and I feel like the world has ma- managed to like even post to May. Uh, I remember there were one or two white characters that would. There weren't quite cast fixtures, but they were maybe ancillary yeah. characters. Well, Kim dates a white guy for a little while, yeah. who's like Freddie's cousin. That's somehow. right. Yeah, but it's like a point of tension in the show that mm-hmm. she's choosing to date a white person rather than. Um, a black man and that's the only real I mean and then there's like white villains (laughs) like Dean Cain plays a white villain uh, in the show where he like yeah he like gets in a a racially motivated fight with Ron after they make a football bet uh, a bet on a football game it's like an A&M team (laughs) they're just called a And it's like the white team versus the HBCU and Ron wins the bet and they like beat him up because they're mad. And then they start spray painting the N word on the hood of his car, but they only get like two letters in this whole scene. It's so weird. There's a whole scene in like the um, jail cell where the police officer is like asking each side their story. And then there's a dramatic reenactment of the, each person's telling where it's like, each side is exaggerating. Yeah. Huh. To, <laughs> huh. um, but yeah, but yes, I would say like none of the main characters are white. Not like there's very few white people in the show at all. Like yeah. I, it's sort of like, oh, random white person in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but generally, no. Yeah, generally no. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we like we're glossing over one of the maybe this is a tension that I know that you, you didn't come across but I always knew about was that a you know that a other the other significant thing about the in between the first couple seasons is the removal of Denise which has this yeah. background context around Cosby and his obviously ironic respectability politics not caring for uh Lisa Bonet's personal choices outside of right media projects and how he felt like she was ruining and tarnishing the brand Mm. uh the Huxbulls and the and and Cosby himself uh felt like he was emblematic of and so that was a like her her just her personal life decisions right well she also apparently was pregnant 
Yeah, yeah, and which is what like, he was. Thinking. We can't have an unwed mother on the show. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, and I like, know that's what you're talking about. Just no, no, no. Yes, yeah, you're right. I thought uh, like you might. I I guess I didn't know if you meant that there were other things she was doing that he didn't dis- that he didn't agree with. Like, well, was like her, he was a little bit of like a free spirit in the real world. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, she was very true to form. I think on and right. off camera, and I think there was like a lot of tension around that. Um, yeah, which which goes again goes without saying the irony of it, given what we now know about Cosby at this point now. But yeah. Yeah. What? Okay. So tell me more about what different world meant to you growing up, Trey. Um, you know, I think, uh, I, I remember it being like, again, like this kind of television that was very much appointment television for us. Like that we mm. much like we broke our neck to make sure we were home for the Cosby show, the different, a different world was the same thing. And I, I think for me in particular, as a public school black kid, um, in the schools that I was in at the time, like, you know, you, de- I definitely, not that it's hugely different now, but like, I mm. definitely was going to school at a time when it was almost explicitly stated that black kids were not expected to go off to college. And, mm. and, and there was this notion too, I think of like, uh, you know, if you, because like, because that type of achievement felt so like abnormal for for black kids or black community it there were I definitely lived through uh what was was probably familiar tension for a lot of black kids was that like if you were a college seeking kid you know you were read as like white or like Mm. geeky or yeah abhorrent to some kids and that's more reflection of just like how everyone got pushed to believe the worst about what could or should be possible for us but you know, different world was like unapologetically showing, you know, black kids and, and black, I think, you know, even watching just some of the episodes over, over the last few weeks, like it's really impressive how they don't present a singular fixed type of act, mm-hmm. black identity that goes to college. Like, you know, there's, yeah, uh, there, there are non-traditional students, there are traditional students from money there are students students who don't come from money there's right colorism stuff there is mm-hmm. all sorts of there's religious leanings there's militant black folks there's yep. like respectability black folks i think they did such a great job job of showing not only is is or could be college a destination for black people but that it could be a place for all black people um mm. and i think that's that was a different type of message uh to get across because I think a lot of a lot of you know a lot of like higher ed type stories usually are or in mainstream media are about like the best and the brightest going off to college and right this idea right 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 you're the exception rather from. than the rule yeah yeah and here are folks that I felt like I felt like for me like a lot of these kids um were just like a lot of the a lot of the different types of black kids that I was ride in the bus with and in class mm. with every day. I think yeah. that made a difference too. And then the last thing I'll just quickly say, you know, I think what was so great about this, about the show is that it, in the same vein, like it was kind of like a, it's like a very long 
commercial for the power of going to an HBCU and the Ooh, importance yeah. of going to HBCU. which is like a hundred percent Bill Cosby's brand, right? Like you remember he used yeah. to always wear the college shirts. That's right. My mom got excited every time I wore a temple shirt. Yeah. Like he, yeah, he was very, he was like captain education. And at the beginning of every different world episode, it's like created by yeah. William Cosby, EDD. Yes. William Cosby Jr. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. It, was, it definitely feels like a commercial for, for college HBCUs. Like. And it became like this like platform for showing lots of people period, I think, about, like, aspects of Black culture that didn't get a lot of play, like, you know, things around, like, Afrocentric b- beliefs and culture, things mm-hmm. around step shows, and yeah. things around, like, you know, like, Black, like, non-traditional Black families and such, and, you know, there were all these things that, like, and, you know, I'm sure this is a huge credit to the people who, like, Debbie Allen and folks who took yeah. the show, um, that they saw the they saw the power and the importance of taking advantage of and leveraging like, you know, the capital that the Cosby brand afforded them as a, a network TV show. Like, mm-hmm. There weren't many shows that were, especially during that time, that were showing this type of, again, like diasporic, like black life. And yeah. even if it was on the college setting, like, you know, I remember there were like, just like small moments in episodes where that they showed the students in class and they were like meta like opportunities to talk about black history and black culture right treated as you know scripted like, moments right um, yeah mm-hmm. so it was just such a clever show that way um what i don't like like even at, at the time what i didn't like about the show ultimately was actually what we end up talking about is that you know i think you can make an argument that the latter seasons of the show um for me i i remember even at the time like Whitley, Dwayne mm-hmm. in particular becoming feeling much more like caricatures like amped up character caricatures yeah. of their own characters mm-hmm. and that just uh, I think some of the show just really crumbled because of that after a while. How about yeah, for when, you? when I was watching it, it and I would just like started watching the final season <laughs> um uh-huh. Dwayne starts to feel like a Cosby uh impersonation a little bit yeah oh like, wow yeah, some of his mannerisms and because it, it's a lot of those like, you know, wife, you know, but I feel like the Cosby show is always like the mom and dad, like the fact that they were still like in love with each other was very clear. Mm-hmm. And like there was a lot of flirtation going on. And when after Dwayne and Whitley get married, it starts to fall into that same kind of like interaction feeling almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, growing, you know, it's it was interesting to me to rewatch this because I definitely watched it as a kid growing up. My brother and I were both big different world fans. Um, and I realized that like I was pretty young when it came out. Like it came out in 1987 to 1993, right? So I was like between 6 and 12. Yeah. So I realized that a lot of the like deeper issues were just lost on me, right? Like I was not able to fully process what I was seeing, but I do remember like loving the characters, like (laughs) having a real, like feeling like Dwayne Wayne was someone that like I wanted to hang out with because he was very funny. Yeah. And he's actually rewatching it. I was like, he is, uh, he's just like a good guy. 
Like he, yeah. he stands up for people. He takes care of people and he's not, he's like also very humble, but he's always like doing the right thing, but he's also struggling with doing the right thing. And he just is like a great character. Who's like, I don't know, someone that you want to root for, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, but I do think it was like a show, you know, I think that it, it was also important for like me and my brother living in white suburbia to see mm-hmm. a show like this and be like, yeah, this is another, you know, these are, this is another, it is a different world <laughs> than where <laughs> we live for sure. Yeah. Um, but it seems pretty cool. And the people are like all, you know, all not that different than the people that we know, you know what I mean? Uh, and I do, I think that it also was just actually a pretty well-written show. Like it's yeah. pretty funny. Even today, yeah. like the jokes are still pretty good. I think so like, too. I don't know if you've rewatched like other sitcoms, but it's like painful sometimes to rewatch them because the jokes are like so canned feeling. And so, you know what I mean? But this one, yeah. like, I was like, I would still watch this even when it's not my like homework assignment for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And you're right about it. Like, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Go ahead. No. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of, I don't know if this happened to you where you like rewatch something that you loved when you were younger and been like, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like why? <Amazing>. Yeah. <laughs> like why did I think this was so amazing, but it was almost comforting to rewatch different world. Be like, no, this was good television. We were making the right choice. <laughs> when we were watching different world. Every week. We were making our choice. Yeah. Um, did your parents yeah. watch y'all? No, this was definitely like a me and my brother. We did watch a lot of television on our own generally. Uh, um, So it wasn't like an anomaly for us to be watching it by ourselves. But I will say like, I would imagine them watching Cosby with us before they would watch Different World. I think they were just like, this is like young people. This is not for us. Like you, Mm, this is for you guys kind of thing. Because it did feel a little bit more like, Saved by the Bell than it did like the Cosby show. You know what I mean? Like it felt like it was for young people, I guess. At least that was what my memory of it was. Um, And yeah, I feel like even though I don't remember a lot of it. So I will say I watched like the Root and the AV Club's list of, you know, top 10 episodes or episodes that dealt with uh, like kind of heavy hitting topics. And so I think I got a specific subset of the show where it felt like it was constantly dealing with Uh, like pretty big issues, which it wasn't always dealing with pretty big issues, but even when it wasn't, they're like kind of, they're still in the background, right? Because that's sort of like what it's like to be a black person in America. It's like, you're always sort of navigating these issues. And I feel like, even though I don't like recall that, what, like, I wasn't like, oh yeah, I remember this part. There are like bits and pieces I remember And I do feel like it must have informed some of my thinking around like race in America and understanding just like different narratives that people have. And I, I, it's hard for me to believe that none of it penetrated, but I think it probably did so in almost like a subconscious way. Yeah. Which. Yeah, that's true. I feel like the same way that like, I mean, I think there's part of me that obviously actively was drinking in what was going on. Right, right. But also, like you said, yeah, yeah, I think like there's probably things about it that set a precedent for my mindset down the road. Mm-hmm. Like it certainly, I like you know one of the things I like think about a lot, and I have other friends who talk about this too. Is like I when when things like this come up, I often wonder like 
how would I have been different if I had gone to an all black college? Mm. And, and what is not a question for me is that there, there's no question for me that I missed out on something. There's no question about that. Okay. Yeah. When I read things, when I talk to people, when I watch mm. black folks who have, who are, who have graduated or gone to an HBCU, like I know on like a culturally cellular level, like I missed out on a very unique mm. one of a kind experience. Um, what I don't know is if I had had that experience, like what, what would I be like now? I'm sure there's lots of choices that I've made in my personal life that would have been harder to have made mm. um, coming out of an HBCU experience. Yeah. Um, but I do wonder, I do wonder like, and not from a place of regret, but just deep curiosity. Like what yeah. would it have been like if I, cause you know, I think the other tough thing when I was growing up and we were starting to explore colleges, like there, you know, the power of that show existed in tension with like what were oftentimes very honestly, a lot of like what I felt like were real world conversations that I felt like I was often around, which is that like, here was mm-hmm. Hillman, beautiful like icon and uh like idyllic scenery around black colleges but like I was routinely around folks who talked about or questioned how good black colleges were and okay yeah 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 whether or not that was like a you know there's everything about it from like whether it was a waste of your money to whether it was good to be in an environment to that was that was like not going to prepare you for the real world right 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 lots of other people there was things about like does your degree matter that you know there's mm. very real conversations about like mm. d- is your degree held to the same esteem when someone sees right. that it comes from age? So which like, is you know, interesting also because in the show it's like everyone talks about how great hillman is and like yeah. you wouldn't be allowed here if you weren't smart enough you know what i mean like you yeah. like it's treated like an ivy league school in the show for sure yeah so yeah, it's yeah. interesting to think about those, like the representation on the show versus like these other real world conversations that you're listening to. I'm just reading it. I don't know if you saw this too, but I just saw in the news of the last couple of days, Lincoln University is now officially closed its doors now. Yeah, like there's, is it? Yeah, they I did, did their last class, I think in the last, Jesus. I think the last graduating class was, is it? Like, I think that's. They wow. officially shuttered as a campus now, and you know, I think that's that is also the weird thing around, um, around the legacy of a show like this. Is that what is it? You know, it holds even more sway when we've. I at least I know in these last few years, there's been a real existential question about how many HBCUs will continue to thrive and survive. There's been questions around declining enrollment they've been beleaguered by intentional underfunding there's Mm -hmm. been lots of campus closures because some of these places that were historically founded just can't get enough people enrolled nowadays to Mm. still you know the cost of running a university yeah what it means to be able to provide that type of setting and you know I, i think to make another pop culture like leap or connection here. It's one of the reasons why I think years and years now after the fact, like a movie like Black Panther has a lot of sway for people because mm. I've campaigning for a while that I think there's this deep allure around what Wakanda represents for people. Mm. Even if like 
Hillman, even as a fi fictionalized place that has real world mirrors to it? Like, what does yeah. it mean for Black folks to like, solely exist in a space, in a space where you're only contending with each other and not contending with all the perils of white folks, white supremacy type Yeah. Stuff? Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, like what would Hillman look like in 2022? Would it still be open? I think so. I like to think so. I mean, you know, for me, Hillman often felt like Howard, um, what I've known yeah. uh, and spent time at with Howard. And I feel like that's that's also the things like, you know, I think what's both true in like the fictional world and the real world is that you know, Black folks have understand the need and the capacity to show up for each other. And I, mm. and I think like, uh, you know, as much as we can and will, we'll make sure institutions that mean a great deal of us like survive. And I feel like both you and I talk a lot about like, you know, one of the key spots in order to get to college is like public schools. And, you know, I think here in Philly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get the fight for keeping places and put imperfect places in place for us uh when they have a deep legacy and i i think yeah. uh and i think it's you know that's why i like have a lot of uh i know we both have some concerns around the fate of public schools and such and i think you know for me a big part of it that i feel like i recognize is that Black folks don't want to give up the ground on some of those spaces because it is part of a continual consumption around community, community hubs, mm -hmm. and just like the reflection of our existence in lots of urban and non-urban contexts. Like it's, I always say like that those things don't, you're not just fighting for your public school when you're fighting for a public for a public school not to be closed, it means so much more, and not just in a community orientation thing, but it exists on the continuum of the things that are that are taken away from Black folks in right. neighborhood or community context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had another thought that's not, All I right. can't think of yeah. a good transition tray. No, that's just, just, just <laughs> transition. You know I'm in a dark place today, so like just go it's ahead fair. and it's fair. Yeah. I do think that one of the uh, great parts of setting the show in a college is that it allows you to have the characters wrestle with like big questions yeah. in a way that feels genuine and normal mm -hmm. and not like some sort of artifice that's been created to make an episode. Mm -hmm. um, and that I, the show does show people changing. Um, yeah. And like show people, show people in like ways that are surprising, which I feel like happens, you know, as you navigate four years of living together, you learn things about people and like their values that you didn't fully expect or that don't fall into these like neat categories. Um, and also shows people, you know, dealing with like big questions of like religion and politics. And like, we find out that Whit in one episode, Whitley basically says to Kim like, if you need money for an abortion, I have money for it, which is not what you would expect Whitley to wow, say. Yeah. And yeah. then like in a later season, we find out that Ron, Ron Johnson, Dwayne's best friend is, Ron. and I assume your cousin Trey, um, is <laughs> <laughs> uh, a card carrying member of the Republican party. Oh shit. I did not yeah. realize that. 
Yeah. And of course, of course, Colonel Taylor like jumps up and gives him a high five, which did make me laugh what? out loud when I saw it because it was like, of course, Colonel Taylor's a Republican. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. But wow. yeah, I, I feel like they have these discussions in ways that feel less like, uh, I don't know, manufactured than in some other shows because they're in the college setting. There is a little bit of like the stretch, you know, the college stretch because it lasts for six seasons. And so uh, a oh, lot gotcha. of the characters have graduated. So there's like uh, some grad school narratives that are conveniently thrown in or like Whitley becomes, you know, the head of the dorm so she can stay on. Right. And don't they introduce kind of like a younger generation of... Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, well, Jada Pinkett yep. bef- before the Smith uh, <laughs> is a character introduced in season five, I think. Yeah, that's right. And then there's a couple younger male characters in season six mm-hmm. that come on. Um, and there are a lot of famous people who come a on. A lot. Yeah, a lot. Like, the ones I tried to write the down, the ones that I remember, Whoopi Goldberg was on, mm. Roseanne and Tom Arnold are on as looter, as looters during the LA riots, which was Love kind that. of perfect. Love it. But also just so strange. Yeah. Love <laughs> uh, it. Who else? Uh, I forget. There's like, there's a long litany of people <laughs> that make yeah. guest appearances in the show. And it's like, uh, it's pretty impressive. And I guess that in reading about it, it, I read that it was kind of like, you know, something that was sought after. That's right. By a lot of black celebrities. They're like, they want yeah. to do their, their stint on different world. Well, that's what I was going to say too, is that I feel like it was like, you know, even again, even watching uh, it when it was airing, like you understood at the time as a black person that it was a, one, it was one of the few shows that was being given to us, you know, and I think it's probably fair to call it given to us, given that your know, mm. networks, but right. uh, one of the few shows that were given to us that like, I think like felt again, like felt like such a constant cultural moment. And mm-hmm. I think like with that too, you know, the cameos weren't lost on people because they like much like the Cosby show did the same thing. Like it became, it often became a showcase for like, reminding people about the long history of brilliance in black mm. Hollywood. Yeah. And playing, paying homage to, you know, I think that's what both shows were really adept at where it's like paying homage to different types of black historical culture. You know, they always teased in music, they always teased in yeah. lessons. They always yeah. gave references to notable figures. They yep. brought in actual living contemporary figures who mm-hmm. were resonant to lots of people. And so, uh, it was like this really unique bottled exp- experience. Again, you know, in addition to like being bundled with a show like the Cosby show, like, you know, it created this, yeah. I think across the Cosby brand about what he was trying to exemplify for, or under his initial creation, but black writers and creatives and, and actors and, and it, the opportunities that it gave, right? Like to, to a lot of rising talent to just show people all I feel like both of those shows were showing people that black talent and voices and identities exist on the margins and they were bringing them very much into yeah. the mainstream yeah yes. I mean I would say it in it in many ways it was like black education like the going back and listening to all you know that it's like nikki giovanni angela yeah. davis maya yeah. angela, like the, all of yeah. these 
there's like, sometimes they're just like brief references, but sometimes they're longer explanations. And uh, like they explain what the dozens came from, which I did not know what nice. the original, you know, yeah. I knew what the dozens were, but I didn't know that it came from like slave auctions originally. Um, okay. So yeah, it's, uh, but it also, again, feels authentic because it's like, they're learning, you know, like someone's reading about it because they're interested to learn more about it, which is a thing that you yeah. do in college. <laughs> it's truly a thing you do in college. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe sometimes yeah. after, depending on your personality. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a favorite character on the show? Uh, you know, it was really, it, that is a tough one there. Cause the characters are so great. And there's like, there's something really like resonant and likable about all of them. I think my, see, I think growing up, I really liked Ron. He is very funny. Like, just like he's, his wit is very quick. Also yeah. there's an episode of him without a shirt on and it's not, it's not unenjoyable. I'm just going to say, um, but I think to me, uh, I think Jaleesa might've been my favorite character. Yeah. She's just, you know, she is introduced as a non-traditional college student. That's right. Yeah. And like the first season is all these rumors about her background and like she yeah. was married and da, 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 da. but she also, yeah. Wait, say that again. And said it maybe had a criminal record. And oh, right. I forgot about that, that rumor too. Yeah. But she ends up being like the most sensible and uh, I don't know, like well-rounded. And she really, I don't know. It's fun to watch her kind of go through the seasons and how she changes and becomes a mom on the show. Um, and also I would like to shout out Sinbad. Yes. Yeah who was just so good yeah and almost you, very famous but then not that and then not that famous well that's what i was gonna say too is that yeah, it's so funny to to look at sim again like have watch a couple of episodes like watch someone in particular like uh uh like simbad be on the show when you're talking about somebody who had had such a moment in mm-hmm in Hollywood and pop culture for a bit, you know, Sinbad was, in some respects, he was kind of like almost like an heir apparent to someone like Cosby, right? Like he, yeah. he was a guy, you know, he was in that mold of like Cosby, Will Smith, like those guys that yeah. were building a brand off of what was likely treated as like clean, corny yep. humor, you know, yep. like very much like inoffensive, but mm-hmm. like could be, you know, it still it's gave me like laugh stuff. Yeah. yeah, still really funny. But, you know, but was was definitely off, was definitely like a different type of personality and presence than others. Yes. And, you know, and then, you know, he went he on to have like a- He had an earring, Trey. He had an earring. Cutting edge. Cutting edge. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And you do wonder, like, folks, like, you know, I feel like he is part of a lineage around that particular type of brand. You know, there's- Yeah. There's, there's Will Smith- there's Sinbad. I think, I think I would say Wayne Brady falls into the same type of category yeah, and has yeah. been even meta, like That's cognizant true. of that being his brand, but like, a little uh, like Kevin Hart, but Kevin Hart's, I feel like a little bit less clean than some of them, <laughs> uh, Kevin Hart, I would not but his like Hollywood persona has been very like, you know, my feelings about Kevin Hart. Okay. We'll not talk about, well, not, sorry. 
<laughs> I take it back. No, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. No. Also, Sinbad's from Philadelphia in the show. I should know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. His character, Walter, <laughs> is from Philadelphia. Anyway. Yeah, Walter. Yeah. Uh, okay, sorry. You were saying Sinbad. Wait, who's your favorite character? Mm, I also Jalisa. Um, Dwayne Wayne, with I love. I mean, I Dwayne. Yeah. 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 Where's I mean, and where it, is know, the show without Dwayne? It doesn't exist without Dwayne. I mean, really, it really does. I mean, he. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways he does end, end up becoming like the heart and soul of the show in a lot yeah, of ways. For and, sure. Um, and I, you know, and again, like I think what's hard to watch about those latter seasons is that uh, he, you know, he is a character that undergoes like a lot of a certain type of growth. But I think like some of the latter seasons really regress some of his guys. He gets a little slapsticky again. He gets yeah. a little like there's a little like kind of you're talking about like there's this weird dynamic now with like you know he and Whitley once they're married like that just doesn't here's a guy who is such a hopeless romantic that like they kind so of hopeless. like yeah 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 that's true. It, yeah he's uh he's a more compelling character when he's like chasing after someone I guess. Mm-hmm. or even when he and Whitley are still dating but there's always like a little bit of like will they won't they yeah 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 it's you know I don't know what to make up I don't deeply know or have followed I sh- know there's lots of internet stuff out here about about it in general but uh you know it's really what I think having again watched like a spate of the episodes or over the last handful of weeks or so you know one of the things that get, that dogs me a lot is like you know this was such a talented group and so few of them maintained a mainstream, yeah, yeah, at least a mainstream foot in the spotlight. You know, there's lots of folks who have gone on to still have careers. I think, uh, you know, I think like Kadeem Hardison eventually segued into like executive producing and some directing and stuff. Okay. He did did direct a couple episodes of Different World too. He did. Yeah, Yeah. I know. And I think that set him up to do some stuff down the line. Um, Chris Summer is now like much more known for voice acting um, Mm. over the years Mm. Uh, so it's not like they haven't yeah like I I think people would be surprised like yeah I didn't um, know that that thing is to go and look up what uh what Chris Summer is like yeah yeah. she did like Animaniacs oh wow what's that Mm -hmm. don't don't say that song's uh, gonna be in my head now (laughs) oh yeah I love that show I actually eh. I liked it. I liked it. You um, loved it? Okay, that's good. I'm glad you mm-hmm. did. It wasn't mm-hmm. my wasn't my jam. But yeah, so you know, they they've had like you know, they've had they've had like these it it feels like they some of them I or I was I love these folks both as characters and as performers yeah. or actors so much that I want I was wanted to see more of them. And then it mm-hmm. nowadays it feels like a cultural moment when somebody of that show or whatever like makes an appearance some, yeah in something yeah very true i don't know where the fuck Sinbad is nowadays yeah he right? was very good i yeah right. i i should i should do some more what's going on with these people now yeah but i'm glad some of them did some stuff i wonder <laughs> i wonder how many of them weighed in on the cosby stuff yeah i read around during that time a lot of them were pretty mum, I think. I think some of them did speak, like, and I know much more about what, I know Lisa Bonet said some stuff. Okay. I 
know much more about what the Cosby Show cast had to say about yeah, right. him at different periods. Um, we've, you know, obviously like Felicia Rashad had a very complicated and at least yeah. by my standards, unflattering line of or disappointing line yeah. of commentary about the Cosby And I stuff. think Debbie, I read Debbie Allen's was similar to <sighs> yeah. Felicia Rashad. So like why are why are they trying to tarnish this man's legacy? Yeah. 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 Disappointing. Yeah. Very disappointing. All right, Trey. Yeah. What's your favorite part mm. of Different World? This is hard. This is a hard one for me to answer. Uh, it's actually not for me because I didn't even rewatch this one, but it is like one of the forever burned images in my head from that show is the date rape episode mm. where uh, Dwayne Wade, like, jumps on top of the roof of the car and breaks up the, but like, you know, in all seriousness, no, like, you know, I, one, it was, you know, I think for me growing up, like much like you hear even nowadays, like it's hard, like it's, I mean, it's hard for many communities, but I know how hard it is inside of the black community to talk about sexual assault and, mm. and like, look, look what we just got done talking about, right? Like the amount of right. denial yeah. um, and rendering that happens or, around uh rendering invisible that happens or for black women in particular around assault um inside of the community and you know as somebody who even as a teenager saw different things happen like, you know the importance of seeing a man interrupt yeah thing happening like that like i will i will i will literally never forget seeing that everything about that scene I can still see it plain as day now and and like you know how emotional it was even watching it real time like you know they had they were I think they shot these shows with live audiences and hearing the eruption of applause from love, the audience love the live, and, live audience yeah yeah but stuff like that I like I mean that's that is a favorite that's a favorite part like that I think that just stayed with me as a young man um to this yeah. day on yeah you know you? I just want a great choice Trey I would like to Thanks. say that there's a scene at the end where Freddie says to Dwayne, you're a good friend, Dwayne. And I almost yeah. cried because yeah. he was motivated because Dwayne, you know, I feel like a lot of times those like narratives are like Dwayne would have had a crush on Freddie or something, but he was just being a friend to her. Like he was just listening to her and listening to what this guy was saying in the locker room um, and like talking to Sinbad about it, Walter, uh, so yeah, the way that he handled it was just like very impressive to me. And I was like, this is, it's nice to see an example of like what a good friend is, what a good male friend is to a female person. Um, yeah. And there's something else about that episode that I can't remember. Oh, this was also when date rape was like a new concept. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it was when people were first starting to understand that rape didn't just mean like a stranger in the dark yeah. in an alley, but it was like non-consensual sex that could happen to someone that you were on a date with. Um, yeah. So I thought it was actually, it actually does a really good job of kind of like explaining it from all the different perspectives. And I liked that it showed Dwayne like wrestling with whether or not <clears throat> what the other character was doing was right or wrong. Right. Yes. Because he's, there's the whole narrative of like, you know, women, women have to say no. And like, you, you know, that whole thing. Uh, but Sinbad's very like, no, if she says no, you're done. Like yeah. he's very uh, adamant about it. That's yeah. a great episode. Great, great episode. It's a great, it's a, I mean, it's a really great episode. 
How about for you? Okay. I first want to just highlight some things that I enjoyed while watching. Yeah. One of yeah. which is just a plethora of 90s references that really <laughs> took me back. Uh, There's a reference to Spud McKenzie. Oh my God. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, many mentions of MC Hammer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Who was just like wow. everywhere all the time in he that was. time period. Yeah. Uh, what else oh there's a time when they're taking a road trip and they are looking at maps a lot <laughs> and i was like oh yeah remember oh, when you had to like looking at maps. Oh, yeah. Right. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah when it was and they like go to some random diner and i'm like oh god they're just out in the world blind <laughs> and then there's a time when like wit it's during the la riots their honeymoon when whitley and uh Dwayne are separated and they can't communicate with each other because they don't have cell phones <laughs> Yeah, just, you know, sometimes you forget what life used to be like before all of these. Oh, my God. Yeah. Also, they use the phrase bet a lot, which I have only become aware of recently. And this is partially because I'm a white person. But I was like, wow, this was happening in the 1990s. And I just learned about it in the 2020s. <laughs> I am far behind. I, like I, use that. I mean, I definitely, I definitely immediately know how to use it. But I'm trying to think of it's something that's, I still, I think I still do. Yeah, I think I can think of using it semi-recently. I feel like like a year ago, people really started using it all the time, like mm, to where I was hearing it all the time. But so it was very straight, not straight. I was just like, wow, I did not know this is the word that people were using in 1988. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're, you're like, man, there are a lot of Black people around me into gambling, apparently. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Also, I just want to say, Ron Johnson's glasses would be so cool right now both they're of like their glasses. both of them well with the flip-ups i think there would be like for ironic oh yeah for ironic but people literally wear the ron john he had those clear the plastic clear plastic glasses yeah, that's right. they're like all the rage these days he they was 30 are, years are, ahead of his time um, but I think that honestly, the, I know this, I feel like people are going to think this show is amazing. It's a great show. I'm very glad we talked about it. I'm glad I had the opportunity to rewatch it. I think I will still probably put it on like as a show to watch, especially when it's like, it's very short. They're like 22 minute episodes. Yeah. So, you know, especially when you're like, you just want to watch something quickly. You don't want to invest like two hours of your time. Um, but the theme song of the show <laughs> is so good and has penetrated my memory in a way that a few other songs have. Like I got goosebumps when I was watching, rewatching the show and the song came on. And the first season is recorded by some Phoebe Snow, not Aretha Franklin, but the starting in the sec from the second to the fifth season, it's Aretha Franklin. And it is just like, it transports me back to another time. And like watching, they do the whole pan, you know, the intro where they like pan yes. from character to character and yeah. there's like the walls in between them. Yeah. And I felt like it was like, I remembered every single action that they did as like their intro. Like I remember Julissa throwing the papers up and then being like this at the wall. <laughs> and then Sinbad does his weird little basket. Yes, yes. 
I have a, like, I have a comment about the opening uh, camera span. Yeah, yeah, it just like it is. Uh, I, I it is my favorite part of the show. Like I ra- rarely skipped intro because I wanted to watch watch the song again, even though it was back to back to back. But yeah, the care. I mean, honestly, the real favorite part is the characters. Like they did mm-hmm. such a good job with these characters. They really did. They're just so like they're so each one is very unique and different and believable, but also incredibly like lovable yeah. in a, in a real way. All right. Tell me about the panning thing that you want to say. Um, the panning, I'll do say one thing about the panning thing and then uh, just like you're making me think about a wider thing that I often talk about. But uh funny thing about the cam- camera panning thing is that the, the, the panning, the pan moment that has uh, Dwayne Wayne looking the other way and the, the woman, he, I think he's looking Oh at yeah. The and, and he, then he's like, uh, yeah, he, the woman, it's either the woman that walks by or the woman that turns his head back around is the same love interest uh, in one of Michael Jackson's videos. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. She, had a lot, she got a lot of work that year. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As uh, a turning head woman. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have to find, I, I used to know what video it was off the top of my head. I can't think of which one it is. Did you realize this independently? Yeah. Oh no, totally wow. did. I, I remember like over time watching that opener and like, oh, that's the woman from. That's so funny. Yeah, that's so funny. The other thing, like, quick thing, I, w- I was gonna say too about this show that I think, you know, this is the power of what it means to have an all black show in general. Is that like one of the things that I, I hate about most conventional mainstream television in general is that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when black characters are in them, they're relegated to the sidekick. They're relegated right. to, you know, they're, they're usually new, like they usually don't have much of a love interest. They usually mm-hmm. are just like the, the good best friend. Right. Um, they mm-hmm. are a helpful coworker. They're the sassy coworker. Like you see yeah. Parks and Rec and the office and stuff. Right. You know, they get relegated to these one, subplots or or c-tier characters Mm -hmm. that get like reduced to like singular quotes or memes and stuff like that nowadays Mm -hmm. or they just like they just never get it you know I a good friend and I uh her and I were at the same time watching um uh fuck it's uh 85 (laughs) so Trill, trill. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, she, you know, the first season, she's got a her her uh, black best friend or whatever. It's very much like, you know, I was saying that like these shows just don't do enough like to make three dimensional like mm. a lot of black characters. And again, like yeah. it was a very as progressive as those show. A lot of these shows are at times, and and I think Trill also greatly corrected this in its second season. I was gonna I say, became, much better yes. second season, yeah. <laughs> yes, much better. Um, but there's an irony of like how these shows, you know, and funny linkage is that Samantha Irby, uh, who's a black female writer, wrote both for Shrill and she would later go on to write for the uh, revival of uh, Sex in the City. And I think both uh, of them have somewhat don't of get a me started on that one. narrow opportunity yeah. for well, Some Sex in the City felt like it was trying to make up for, you know, many Absolutely. years of including no Black characters by writing yeah. in several Black characters in a way that felt forced and, I don't know, it was like, we we can see what you're doing. 
Yeah. And you got to you know hope I mean? that now they'll, much like Trill, like perhaps the, I think they've already been given a second. Oh yeah, they did get another um, season, yeah. So you just got to hope that these characters get to be true more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that was the great thing about like, you know, all these shows that get to be largely black or black only is you get more canvas to explore mm-hmm. the full humanity of characters and, yeah. and, and it allows for you to actually, as a result, have ancillary characters who are also black that might only be known for a certain- Right. Well, you're, so, yeah, you're always going to have like minor characters. Right? Yes. Yeah. But yeah. yes, to not, to have like fully developed main characters who have like depth and yeah, it's- yeah. It's still in short supply in, yeah. in Hollywood overall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's one other random thing I want to say yeah, go for it. that I thought was funny about the show. They uh-huh. do mention condoms several times, but apparently they were never yes. allowed to show them. Was that a network thing? Or I think was it was a, a, I think it was like, I don't know if it was network or just like almost all of television it from what I read it was like condoms were banned from being shown but it's funny because they like talk about them like there's one scene where Jaleesa's rooting around in her purse to find a condom but she never actually finds it to give to Whitley and it's just like so 90s like to me that is like the epitome of like well you can talk about the thing and talk about what it's used for but you can't actually show up because that would be offensive. It's like, it just makes no sense. Bigger shout out as a result to Left Eye Lopez, who would have her glasses True. condoms in them. Just condoms everywhere. Remember, they would like pin condoms all over themselves. Yeah, they were God great. bless them. God yeah. bless them. Yeah. Like, well, it's part of my clothes, so. <laughs> that's, that's right. What a great, I mean, as always, black folks find a way. So. I find a way. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right, Trey. All right. It was lovely chatting with a different world about you. Trey is about to go off into the great white yonder. Not the great white yonder. Please do not say that when I'm writing a book called Black Genius. The great black yonder. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I didn't even think about that. Literally just the phrase yeah. just came out of my mouth. I wonder why it's called the great white. Now I have a whole other thing to look up. Um, I've never heard that phrase. The great white yonder? I'm pretty no. sure that's a phrase that I... Great blue? Really great it's white blue. Maybe it's blue. Great yeah, blue isn't yonder. Yeah, great blue yonder. That's what happens when I talk about steeped in white supremacy. That's what happens. <laughs> gets the best of us, you know. That's so weird that I said great white yonder. <laughs> well, I'm just setting this up so we could have this great white wonder. No. no. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll do some more research. Uh, apparently, it's a Danish album. Um, <laughs> That's what you were thinking of. That's I'm, Google. You know me and my Danish albums. <laughs> anyway, Trey's going to take a break. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you can work. to be who inhabits the seats uh, yeah. while out of office. Me too, Trey. Uh, listeners, if oh, you're interested, wisely. I'm putting together the, the, the list. Uh, hoping to figure out a schedule in next week. I'll, take, I'll be taking a one to two week hiatus, but then we'll be back. With more episodes mm. of favorite parts. Thanks, Trey. Thank you, Allison. I'll talk to you soon. Good luck out yeah. there. Same to you. Thanks. Good luck to the great white beyond. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> bye.